Life Changes Church, we are in season two of the Promotable Life series. It is going to be an incredible word. So grab a notebook and a pen and get ready. But we are continuing our series, The Promotable Life, and I absolutely love it. As we've been diving into this character, Joseph, and seeing a little bit more than Jason Donovan showed us in the 90s. More than just the coat and more than just the songs. And no, this life, that is this roller coaster of daddy's favorites and his brothers hated and chucked onto the back of a camel, off to Egypt, sold into slavery, then becomes works for Potiphar. And then Potiphar's wife gets a fancy for him and he has to run from her, ends in jail for 12, 13 years, and brings us to where we're at with his life. He's in prison. And he's prophesied over these two dudes. He's interpreted their dreams, one being the baker. He said, your head's going to come off. His head came off. The other one being the cupbearer said, you're going to be lifted up again by Pharaoh, given your job back. And that happens. And the guy says, I'll never forget you. Never forget you. What did he do? Forgot him. Immediately. But two years later, something happens. And Pharaoh has two radical dreams, crazy dreams. The first one of skinny cows eating fat cows. And if you know anything about the economy of that nation at the time, livestock was massive to the health of the economy of a nation and the strength of a kingdom. And secondly, of really sick, tired-looking heads of wheat gobbling up the rest of the wheat and going, he's going, I'm disturbed. Because what underpins the strength of our nation is its economy in cattle and livestock and wheat. I need someone who can interpret my dreams. And there's no one. There's no one in the land. No one. Until the wine taster goes, actually, I remember a guy, Joseph. He's in prison. He's been there for 13 years. He spent his 20s in jail. Who knows? That's not great on your CV if you're wanting to stand before the head of a nation and take the prime minister role. Come to the national debate. Where have you been the last 13 years? In prison. Give me the job. And yet we see this amazing reality And this is what Joseph replies when he he asks him, can you do it? It is beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So Pharaoh told him his dream. And so we jump into the series knowing that I cannot do it, but God will. We're talking about the promotable life, not the promoted life. No, we live the blessed life because Ephesians tells us we've received every spiritual blessing. That's the blessed life. But why is it that some characters in the Bible seem to walk into more, not because there weren't obstacles, in the face of obstacles, and some others, like the rich young ruler, actually go and sell everything, give it away, and come serve me. He struggled and got stumped there. His story stopped there. Joseph's story didn't stop. It didn't stop on the back of a camel off to Egypt. Oh, my life's so terrible. It didn't stop there. It didn't stop when Potiphar's wife came after him and he got accused of being a rapist and spent 12 years in prison as a rapist. I mean, after all those, then he prophesies in terms of dreams, thinks, I'll never forget you, forgotten. Oh, everyone lets me down. He doesn't get stuck there. He seems to have this ability to keep trusting God. He seems to have a knowledge. Why? Because his great-great-granddaddy was Abraham and his great-grandfather was Isaac and his father was Jacob and he knew the God who didn't change. He knew him. So this promotable life is about God getting his glory. It's not about you getting your next promotion. That might be what it looks like. But it's about God getting his glory. That's what it's about. And that's my passion. To see God get your glory from your life and my life and my kids and our community and this nation at this time. Welcome to the word of God. I'm excited. Welcome back to our newlyweds over there. Just to draw a little bit to see you. Verse 33 of chapter 41. 
Therefore, Pharaoh should find, this is what happened. He's interpreted the dream. And he finishes interpreting the dream. And Pharaoh doesn't go, well, what's the plan? Joseph just carries on. He says this, therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Remember, he's just come out of prison. He have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it there so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked the officials, Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? This is Pharaoh, a self-declared God himself, a man who bows to no one. He says, can we find anyone? This guy who yesterday was a prisoner, so obviously filled with the Spirit of God. What a great testimony of a life. So obviously full. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. That's why the young guys wear the gold chains. If you want to know why they've come back into fashion, it's because of Joseph. They call it drip these days. Joseph wears Pharaoh's drip. That's how the modern translation <laughs> Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for a second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So, Joseph, so Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Pharaoh has the whole country to search for his prime minister. It could be the greatest apprentice show that ever existed. Pharaoh looking for a prime minister. And they went with Donald Trump instead. I mean, it, it had all the potential. This is potentially nation-saving stuff. And he asked this radical question, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled? This man whose CV would have said, 17-year-old daddy's favorite, also brothers hated, chucked in a pit, gone from slave to servant to um, a sexual predator to jail to... That's his CV. And yet, standing with that CV, Pharaoh, the highest in the land, the greatest authority of this time on this earth, says, is there anyone else so obviously full of the Spirit? It's a radical statement. Can we find anyone else? And it, he's not saying this because of the right pedigree. He's not saying this because of the right uh, history. He's had 12, 13 years in prison. He hasn't received all the privileges. He's saying this because he sees something in Joseph that is different. And it's not because Joseph is worshiping extravagantly. Joseph's not interpreting his dream while doing some prophetic dance. It's not. That was a prophetic dance if you didn't know what that was. And then he's not standing and Joseph's speaking and there's like this big angel behind Joseph just... Just flapping his wings behind Joseph, going, oh, obviously. No, it's not, because there's nothing. The Bible doesn't tell us that. 
He just says he interprets his dreams and speaks and gives a plan. And in this job description that Joseph lays out, he says, you've got to find a guy that's intelligent wise. You've got to find a guy who puts supervisors. You've got to find this guy. And, and Pharaoh goes, well, you're the guy. Imagine Joseph, what? You're the guy. So obvious. And so today is easy because today is about so obvious. As we navigate our life, I'm telling you, there's an obvious favor upon your life. As we navigate, there's an obvious grace upon your life. And as I look at this, what are the, the reasons that there's an obvious grace? It's not because of only his worship. Number one, he has a supernatural enablement in his life. He interprets dreams. Number two, he has intelligence and wisdom. We'll talk about number three, power, authority. So I want to start with number one. He's a man with power. Why? Well, it's easy. Pharaoh goes and says, can anyone interpret my dreams? And the diviners give it a go, and they flop, and they can't do it. And this guy, and then the wine, remember, chief wine taster goes, I remember a guy. And Joseph walks into this context, cleanly shaven, dressed up, ready to go, and he gets the dream, and he goes, well, I cannot do it, but God. And God gives him an ability. God gives him a power. See, the Bible calls that anointing. Now, we've made anointing something weird. Honestly. The church has made anointing weird. Anointing's left to the guy in a white suit with a, with a handkerchief walking around and doing backslides and everyone's falling around him. So he's the anointed one. And that's rubbish. He might be anointed, but so are you. You are the anointed ones. You are. Not just the preacher man. You are. And you're anointed for what God is calling. I'm telling you, the anointing is everything inside of you that God has placed inside of you that comes alive when we're in the presence of God. It comes alive and it happens easily. It, it pours out. It pours out. And I'm telling you, it's a supernatural power. And we want to dumb it down and we want to keep it for church and we want to keep it for life. Don't keep it for those moments. Teachers, prophesy in your classrooms. Speak life over people that will change destinies. Business people, dream dreams that will change this nation. And this man, Joseph, steps into an arena where he really is about, in everyone's head, they're going, this is going to be fun. I wonder how Pharaoh's going to take this guy's head. And 20 minutes later, they're going, Prime Minister, I have to kneel down. I have to do everything he says. He's just come from jail. Imagine the prison warden who's been looking after him for 12 years going, um, I wish I had looked after him a bit better. Maybe some snacks. Just for Joseph. I wish I'd given Joseph some snacks. Like he would be really struggling with the whole process. And Joseph is there, and I'm telling you, we've made this thing anointing something that it's not. The anointing of God is what God has placed inside of you and I. It's where the Spirit of God comes, and it becomes easy. Some people in the Bible speaks of gifts of, uh, of generosity, where people find the ability to step in more. And the gifts of prophecy, where they speak and interpret dreams. Gifts of wisdom. Gifts of dream interpretation. There's lots of different gifts, and we're going to do that in the, as you saw in the video, we're going to do a six-week series on the gifts of the Spirit, starting on the 1st of Feb, in all life groups, but also at the two church locations on Wednesday nights. I'm starting a life group here at church. If you aren't in one, come and join me. But we're going to go on a journey together. Why? Because it's not something just to know about. The Bible says fan into flame. Fan into flame. It's hard to fan yourself. I'm telling you, we're called to come together and fan into flame the gifts. But this thing of anointing is I just want to land a little bit. Anointing is like the SIM card in a phone. It's the easiest way I can tell you. You've all got it, but if you don't activate the SIM card, nothing comes on. 
You won't get signal. You won't be able to search your Google or your Facebook or whatever else you want. There's just no power. And believers are far too often, we like cell phones with SIM cards in, but we don't activate them. And the Bible says, activate the Spirit of God. Well, how do you do that? Well, you spend time in the presence of God, and you hunger and thirst for His presence, and you trust Him when you walk into rooms that He's with you. And the anointing starts to work, and it'll work in dreams. R.T. Kendall says it this way, our greatest anointing is when we are flowing in everything that God has created us to be and do. Our greatest anointing is when we are when it is easy, when we are flowing in everything that God has created us to be and to do. It's not to become someone else. And so the danger often is, church, I want that guy's anointing. No, you don't. You want your anointing to come alive in God because that will change the world. Anything else is the flesh. I'm telling you. And I I remember years, I've told this story before, but a a friend of mine working for a multinational was a young executive going places, gets a phone call and and has the mandate to retrench, I think it was 17 or 18 significant people in the organization. And he delivered the papers to the individuals and he phoned me on a Friday afternoon and says, I don't know what to do. I said, what do you mean? He said, no, I've had to deliver these papers, but it's not right. Something's wrong. What, What can I do? I said, just pray. What can you do? Just pray. Phone me at about quarter past six on a Sunday morning. And when people phone at quarter past six on a Sunday morning, it's generally important. So I said, what's up? He said, I had a dream last night. Okay. He said, I had a dream. I can save these jobs. What do I do? He said, well, Monday morning, go see your HR director and don't say these words. I had a dream. (laughs) Let's learn from Joseph. First point. Second point, bring the plan. But go in there knowing that you're a son of God. No, go in there knowing you're anointed to bring life and peace and and, and to provide jobs in a nation that needs them. Go in there with a solution. He went in there. All jobs were saved. And I'm not saying that to glorify him. I'm telling you, God wants to use you in your marketplace. He wants to use you where he's got you. Joseph was used in prison. Stop saying, I'm waiting to be placed in a better job, and then I'll come for Jesus. I'm waiting to move to a better place, and then I'm waiting to get to a different city. I'm waiting to get a just, I can just get that nation or this. No, stop it. And where you are, allow the anointing God to come alive and watch God get his glory. At the center of the series is not, is not a pep you up. You can do this, church. I'm not trying to tell you that. I'm not, there's, a, there's enough preaching in the world that will tell you that. I'm trying to tell you God wants to get his glory from your life. I'm telling you, our God is a jealous God who gave you gifts and put spirit inside of you and anointing inside of you so that he can get his glory. That's the important thing. You know the byproduct? We walk in his blessing and favor. And as we do that, God's got his story. And you know, Joseph didn't always do this well. He was anointed at 17. He's having dreams and tells his brothers and his dad, you're going to bow down to me. It was a true prophetic dream wrapped up in a very immature individual. Then at, at later in life, he prophesies over and he interprets the dream of the other two and he goes, well, don't forget me. Still about him. Eventually he's going, I can't do anything. As he's standing in front of Pharaoh and that's when God makes him shine the most. And as we navigate this, I'm telling you, we've got to be a people, a man or a woman with power. The first thing Pharaoh said was so obvious, power. Second, a man with a plan. Oh, but Mark, the plan was just, no, Joseph wasn't asked for a plan. He just gave a plan. See, everyone knows what's wrong with the world right now. It's the challenge of our world. Everyone knows what's wrong. No one knows what they want. Everyone knows what they don't want. But ask people what they want. They won't have an answer. 
And Joseph comes, stands before Pharaoh and says, well, here's the interpretation of a dream and just delivers a plan. Here's the plan. Get a man who's wise and intelligent. Put supervisors in place and take a fifth of all produce for the next seven years. Understand this and the people in the room who understand economics will know that would have an instant economic impact on a nation. If you just pulled 20% of supply out of the system, prices would ride. People go, what's going on? Why are you putting us under pressure? We aren't surviving now. We aren't struggling now. But Pharaoh's rattled. Because a famine's not good for the nation. Famine's not good for kings. And so this plan comes. You see, challenge at 17, he didn't have a plan. He just said, you're going to bow down to me, lacking serious EQ with his brothers. It's like, I just, I've got a boy like that. He, 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 he'll be playing C team right now, but he'll tell his mates, I'm going to play first team. And they're like, what? Now, I believe him, but he shouldn't probably tell them. Just yet. <laughs> And, and the spiritual enabling on his life is real and he pours this plan out and it's a costly plan. And, and I want to tell you, it's not just the interpretation of the dream that was so obvious in his life. It was also the plan that he would stand in front of a Pharaoh and say, with boldness and courage and strength and wisdom, here's the plan you need, Pharaoh. I want to challenge us, church. You know how many people have been in church and have got files of prophecies over their lives, but have put no strategies to those prophecies? So you're 14 years old and someone prophesies, well, you're going to be a worship leader, change the nations, but you're now 24 and you still haven't learned an instrument. Now just pick up an instrument. I'm being serious. It's that simple. God's called you to be generous. Cool. Get order in your finances so peace can come in your finances. You can have margin. You can buy into a kingdom of God dynamic of giving and receiving rather than buying and selling. God says, I want you to, to, to teach the word of God. Cool. Start here. Start reading the word of God. It's, it's, and, and everyone's got prophecies. I, I've, I've heard some of the most amazing prophecies in church, but what's the point of prophecies if we don't start putting strategies to them? God-given with wisdom and insight and, and community, and we're putting strategies to them. And the only reason, I'm telling you truthfully, why we are even in a journey of buying that field, is six years ago I went and stepped under the teaching of a wise and intelligent man named Chris Hodges. At a day I didn't want to go to, there was a conference, and he had a day before called Financial Peace or something. And I was like, ah, I'd rather see the, the sights, you know, of Alabama. But I went to the financial day, and he started speaking about how when he planted his church, in the constitution of the church, they put a, put a statement that they would never spend more than 90% of the previous year's income in the following year. Never. So even though the, their church was growing significantly and the income was growing, they never spent more than 90% of the previous year's income. So it meant they had margin. And when the crash came in 2008, they were the only people with cash. And they were able to buy buildings 20 cents on the dollar. And I heard that, I thought, that's faith. To put away, say no to something now so that you can trust God for something more in the future. The only reason banks would speak to us is because through corona, God has enabled us to follow that same principle, both as a church and as a family. And I'm telling you, there's faith in margin. Let me just say that again. There's faith in margin. As we navigate these times, you don't need to read too much to know we are in for interesting times. Not doomsday talk, real talk. You can, and no country is spared of it. Have faith in margin. Means say no to something so you trust in God to be able to say bigger things, yes, in the future. Means if you need to run the bases again on buying that new car, run the bases again. Why? Because God wants to do great things in your life. 
He doesn't want us wrapped down, weighed down. And so this strategy was bold. It was challenging. But it was the gift of God. They're wrapped up in Joseph, given by God, but also a strategy. And, and so some of you are sitting going, Mark, strategy for your stories about church don't help me in the marketplace. I'm going to tell you a marketplace story. Because I spent 10 years in the marketplace before as a preacher man. And, um, and, and I, when I went on honeymoon at 25, I came back and found my boss had been fired. And I'd been promoted because there was a new MD in town, an amazing lady, but a tough corporate lady. And she had a great job mandate on her because the company I worked for hadn't made profit in 11 years. It was 11 years old. She'd been given 18 months to turn it around. She said to me, I fired the other person. I put you in because I saw you do this project and I want you on. I said, okay, cool. The only problem was it was a brand that essentially, the brand was Magnum ice creams. So if you're around in 2000, maybe you remember the seven deadly sins. I came back from my honeymoon. I got moved. I got told I'm going to this job. And I went to her. I said, I can't sell sex. She said, oh, that's a problem. I said, it is a problem. But you know what? I would prayed about it. And I went to her. I said, I promise you. God, I didn't say God has given me a strategy. I just said I have a strategy to change this business. The strategy was simple. In the outlying cities of South Africa, their salespeople were concessionaires, mostly single moms, not single moms, housewives who were doing half days selling for the business on the side. They were conservative people who now have to go sell a sexy product. They were embarrassed. Said, let's pull it back, do a new TV campaign. We were the only company in the world to change the TV campaign. I'm not boasting, I'm just telling you. On the confidence of God's given, I said, I will not do this job, but I will if you allow me to change that. Ola broke even for the first time that year and since then has never not made a lot, never not made a profit. And I'm not telling you that because I'm some kind of business. I'm just telling you God is interested in your world. God is interested in you being a blessing in your world. God is interested in saving your company from chaos. God is interested in you bringing peace. God is interested in you. And you might be 25 years old and clueless. God is interested in this world. He wants to use your gifting. He wants you to put strategies to the life inside of you. Does that make sense? I'm trying to challenge your thinking because too many go, my job is to raise my hands and worship with Michelle on a Sunday and my job is to do a few minutes in the Bible. No, that's not. That's not. You are called a believer of the Son of God. You are called to have anointing inside of you and strategies to save this world pouring out of you. And uh, is that all right? We tell, uh, uh, God is on the move. He's on the move. Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> I want to tell you lastly, so it's a man with power, Joseph, a man with a plan. Have a plan. And lastly, a man who could call the play with authority. Understand this. How much authority does a prisoner have over their own life? Nothing. Stay there for 22 hours. Move there for an hour. Go there. Get back in your jail, jail cell. 24 hours later, you are the second in charge of a nation. What you say, people will do. So you can think that's a fantasy, or you can take it as the Bible presents it, historical fact of a man's life, of what God did in both his life, but also in the saving of a nation. That's how I read the Bible. And as we navigate this, he says, you will be in charge of my court, and all the people will take orders from you. Wherever you go, people are going to say, kneel down. He was a prisoner just before that. There was no track. Ladder climbed, nothing. 
But wherever he had gone, he started to grow in authority. In the prison, grow. Working in parts of his house, grow. In the prison again, grow. Navigating all these things. And this is what the Bible said. The people were amazed about Jesus at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And he had authority. Wherever Jesus went, he was authority. And then it says this in Ephesians, and God raised us up with Christ. Who? You and I. Not preacher men. Not worship leaders. Us. The people of God. The saints. The priesthood. Us. He raised us up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion and every title. Us. So when you go into the boardroom in your business, whether you're the main one in the boardroom at, at the head of the table or seated somewhere in the middle, whether you're the person serving coffee or tea in the corner, whether you're outside the boardroom, whether you're not even in an office place, I'm telling you right now, there is anointing, there's a strategy, and there's authority greater than the enemy wants you to believe to impact and change this nation. This nation doesn't need more people who can tell us what's wrong with it. This nation needs more Josephs, Nehemiahs, Ruths, Rahabs to rise up at this time and find the word of the Lord, allow anointing to pour out of us, not in a way that we're forced, but in a way that is revealed and reveals his glory, come up with a strategy, number one, for our lives. See, I think Joseph had a very clear strategy for who he was in prison. He was, had a very clear strategy. When parts of his wife came after him, his strategy was already established. He had a plan. Run. He didn't come up with it when she walked into the room. Likewise, when he walked into the room with Pharaoh, he was a man concerned about a nation. And God had started stirring. And so the plan came easily. He didn't have to go away and think and pray and fast. He spoke with confidence in that moment. And my prayer as I preach this is, God, use your people. Use your people. Use your people to speak. Because why? There's something different about you. I want to tell you, church, you've got an unfair advantage. Unfair. Deal with it. Get over it. And walk in it. Joseph had an unfair advantage. Just had the most amazing thing happen in the last week. Got a phone call, absolute random phone call from a man of another faith who'd heard some of the upliftment work we've done over the years and wants to give to that. Wouldn't give me a surname at first. Wouldn't tell me anything about himself. Just wanted to know where he could give and be a part of it. I'm like, okay. But then we started talking because he's from another faith. He started asking questions. So I started answering. He said, I want you, I want you to tell me why, why you have to tell people about Jesus and why you have to tell me. Why do you have to do that? I said, well, I don't have to. I want to. Because Jesus brought life in my soul. This is not a religion I'm practicing. This is a life that I'm living because it's deep inside of my soul. I'm forever changed by his love. This is faith rising up. That's why. And it's led to conversation. We've had five conversations this week. Five. I'm meeting him up for coffee in the city this week. He's from another faith. He's not interested in converting. But he wants to know about this Jesus. You know why he keeps coming back? there's something inside of me that's greater than me and there's something inside of you that's greater than you and if you just believe it if you just trust it if you just let it out 
Stop saving it. And I'm telling you, when we get grumpy with our bosses and we play expectation on our bosses, we limit our ability to be a blessing to our bosses. You are designed and made and called to be a blessing to your boss. Take the expectations of your forever future off of them. This is where the bosses in the room say amen. Take your expectations off of them and place them on the throne of Jesus Christ and say, I trust you, God. And then you know what you will stumble into? You'll be a blessing to your bosses. You'll be a blessing and you will have faith and courage because you're not going, provide for me, provide for me. No, the God of heaven, who your faith is in, is the one who holds So as we look at this life, I trust this man is challenging his life, his story. And there's so many overlays with Jesus. Know this, 30 years old, he comes out of prison. God gives him a foreign bride. Jesus takes a foreign bride. He says, I want the Gentiles. I want, he starts to minister. He, He comes out of a place of narrowness, a prison, and steps into a place of spaciousness and influence and authority where the world go, that's amazing. See Jesus. And then understand he's called you to be a man or woman of power, enabled by the Spirit of God. Then understand he's called you to be a man or woman with a plan. This young couple who I married the other day, two actuaries, they have plans. It's what they're designed to do. But what happens when the Spirit of God comes into those plans? The Spirit of God starts to breathe life. He says, I've called you. I've called you. The potential nation's changed. And then we step up and we start to grow in authority. I didn't even preach that point, but authority is not something you start out with. See, Joseph had the anointing when he was 17. He had the anointing, but only by 30, through hardship, trial, overcoming steadfastness, faithfulness, he starts to rise in authority. Authority will come, but don't chase authority. Chase the life of God to be pouring out of you and stay faithful and steadfast. And you'll stand one day and go, people actually listen. You've got to know I was a 14-year-old punk at church who went there because I just liked the girls. Let's be honest. But I encountered the living God. It astounds me that anyone lets me speak. I was so nervous the first time I was asked to preach. I phoned the guy the night before. I said, you don't want me to speak. He said, why? I said, I don't know why, but I've got this great fear. I'm just going to swear in front of everyone. Honestly, that was my honest conversation. I just feel like I'm going to do something crazy. He says, get over it. You're preaching. I'm so grateful for men and women who backed me. But I didn't always have that authority. And neither will you right now. But if you trust God for power, if you trust Him for a plan, if you trust Him for anointing, I'm telling you, nations will rise. People will be lifted up. Families in your world, you can walk in with authority in the midst of chaos into a house. And I'm telling you, the kingdom of God can come. That's who you are. It's how, who you are. Will you rise with me this morning as we just want to pray? I, I, please don't just get excited by my zeal. Please get excited when you read the Word of God and you look at a man who was in prison with no hope and no natural resources, and yet God did something. Why? Because God is jealous for His glory, sir. He's jealous for His glory, man. I don't know why, but... but can, we, can I just pray for it? Can, can we close our eyes for a second? I feel like there's a specific word for ladies this morning. God wants ladies to rise up. He wants you ladies to rise up, to speak, to declare, to fight, to fight. 
over our nation, fight. And I know there's movements that are fighting for great voice, but I'm talking about authentic authority to speak and declare. And I'm, I'm amazed and stoked that the world is opening up, but I'm telling you, there's still an, a, a lie of the devil that ladies, be quiet. Ladies, stand back. And I'm telling you, God is saying, speak, write songs, declare, come up with creative strategies. I've been so blessed as a, a lady who I knew years ago who was quiet, 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 has started a profound company that now employs about 60 people I know in this nation. And at the time I knew years ago, was considering leaving this nation. I'm so grateful she didn't. Ladies, rise up. Can we just, for a second, ladies, will you raise your hand? I, I, I can't give you courage and I can't. But the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God come now upon each and every one of your beloved now. And pour courage and confidence to speak to declare. I pray anointing, anointing rise up. I pray Spirit of God, fan into flame the gifts right now. The gifts, the gifts, the gifts right now in this community, for this nation, for this city, for these suburbs right now. The gifts come alive. Mouths to open up to speak and declare. Preachers and teachers and, and voices to our nation. Solutions and strategies right now. Spirit of God, bring life and courage. Come, Spirit of God. Just before we close this morning, if you know that actually, you know there's some things inside of you, like that SIM card, it's in the port, but you're scared to activate it. Maybe it's because the enemy says, but you got all that other stuff in your system. How are you going to activate that? Those thoughts you fight, the failures of your past. You got that other stuff. Now the Bible says activate. The only way you can is by the activation of the Spirit in your life. Activate the Spirit of God in your life. But I want to speak to the sleepers this morning. You're saying, I know. I know there's something inside of me that's not out yet. I know there's something of God inside of me that can bless this nation. It might be, it, it might be words. It might be encouragement. It might be strategies. It might be generosity. It could be anything. But there's something inside of me that's got to come out. I'm tired of letting it sleep. I'm telling you, church, it's time for the gifts to be poured out. That's why we're doing a series for weeks in life group. That's why we want to encourage. So just as we close our eyes, if you know right now, you're saying, actually, there's things inside of me that I've allowed to remain dormant. And maybe it's been circumstances, situation, or maybe it's just been, I don't want to. I'm comfortable where I am. Can I ask you to raise your hands right now as we ask the Spirit of God to ignite? There's lots of people, lots of people. Lots of people. I pray right now, Spirit of God, as these hands are raised in courage and faith, I pray, Spirit of God, come now and ignite fires of passion for your name. Come and light fires of a passion to see your glory. Come raise up a people who are jealous for your glory. Raise up a people who are jealous for your praise. Raise up a people with confidence because of your throne, because of the perfection of your blood. Speak, church. Sing over the nations. Speak, church. There's life in your words. Speak, church. There's healing in your words. Speak, church. God wants the glory from your life. Awake up, O oh sleepers. Awake up, O oh sleepers, and give Him glory. Awake up, O oh sleepers, and give Him praise. Come, Spirit of God. Ignite the church and set us ablaze for your glory, King. Thank you so much for watching. 
If you'd like to take your next steps or find out what's happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. We can't wait to see you soon.